Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. My name is Joseph. My pronouns are he, him. Hello. I'm Kayla, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Will. He, him. And the gang is back together. Yay! Yes, this is this is the Geekiest podcast plus coronavirus, because... Yeah. Even though Thanks. Kayla and I... Even though Kayla and I have... And, and we'll have discussed about washing our hands and doing all things to avoid it. It finally got us. We were so careful. And we still got it. So, uh, we'll say, uh, while this has been a miserable week or so, uh, thank God we were, bo- we were vaccinated and boosted because I really don't want to imagine this being much worse than it was. Or is. Yeah, this is no fun, y'all. Yeah, no. No, it, uh, and as somebody with respiratory issues, it's been a little scary at times, but, uh, yeah. Oh, we're here. Yep. We are here. Uh, what the hell are we supposed to be talking about? Well, we were supposed to have a guest, but that seemed to have fallen through. So let's do some geek news and then uh, uh, go to sleep. Okay. Uh, that sounds awesome. I like that idea. I got a lot of space news. Cool. Cool. Space. You can go first. Space <laughs> news. <laughs> space also, news. Also, uh, from from editing last week's, so I I know we have a fun, uh, a fun go through, uh, for for something or another. One of your, I, your, I, your I actually have I have three. Excellent. Oh boy, good content! Yay! I I, I have three. Okay. So uh, we will start with with a happy birthday or or a happy launch day. To Voyager One, yay! And a belated happy launch day to Voyager Two. Yeah, Woo. I know it sounds weird that Voyager Two was launched first, but that's how it worked, guys. Uh, Voyager Two was launched uh, was launched first. Uh, it was launched on, and of course, I just had it, and I just lost it. It wouldn't be us if we didn't lose our stories. Right? August 20th, 1977. Yes. August 20th, 1977. And Voyager 1 launched on September 5th, 1977. And the reason for Voyager 2 taking off first was to take advantage of uh, planetary alignment. Because they were sending Voyager 2 out to... uh, 
say hello to Uranus, or as the, the five-year-olds like to say, Uranus, uh, and Neptune. Whereas Voyager 1 was going to Jupiter and Saturn. Oh. Thus the reasoning for the, 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 the Voyager 2 going first. Uh, both craft are well into interstellar space, and NASA just showed that it can fix problems even outside our solar system. As they told Voyager 1 to fix itself when it tried to rely on a now-defunct computer to relay messages. And we were getting back garbledly gook. Uh, so they told it to ignore the computer and uh, use a different one. And we started getting telemetry and sensor readings and everything back. Which, if you can just imagine... Uh, let, let, let's fix your Commodore 64 while you're on, I don't know, an airplane <laughs> using only a ham radio. Yeah. That's essentially what they're doing, guys. I, I mean, it's really, yeah. there's not a whole no, lot of memory on that Voyager 1 computer. Nope. But they did it. They did do it. Because uh, I, I had seen the story about uh, the, the telemetry was coming back garbled, and they're like, well, we're going to try this, and uh, we're going to pray that it works. It worked. And it Yay. worked. Sometimes it's the simple solutions, right? Uh, so, out of, out, of, out of curiosity... You you guys are, are 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 I know Joseph, you're you're techno capable. From time to time. And I'm me. Kay, Kayla, you're you're Kayla, but you you you're you're of the age to where you can understand what we're talking about. I'll try. What do you think the data rate is for Voyager <laughs> to send back information? Oh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh so okay. When you're uh, uploading or downloading information from your computer, you have a data rate. Uh huh. What do you think Voyager ones is? No Ooh. idea. Probably not much. Two point eight kbps. <laughs> That's. 2,800 bits per second. Okay, I'm going to ask the question. Is that a lot? That's no. A, no that okay. is minuscule. Okay. I had I, in my very first computer that I built from scratch, I had, at the time, it was big deal, a 14.4 modem. I, I I remember when we we upgraded to the fifty six point six. Yeah, two point eight is like that is a drop in the bucket. That thing's in space. Interstellar space. It has left the friendly confines of the solar system. Now, now to give you an idea, as we sit here and record, and I have. All kinds of background info. I have all kinds of background stuff going on my laptop. You know, 
this thing mm-hmm. with computing powers that the Voyager one could only dream of. <coughs> My download speed is three hundred and seventy-eight megabits per second. Ah! Uh, <laughs> wow. Boy, how the times have changed from 1977 to 2022. Seriously. Yeah, uh, Kay, just so you, uh, on on our home network here, uh, we're at 421.5 megabits. Hi. So, yeah. This uh, is why uh, the aliens don't come see us. Not a lot of computing power. Well, if they look at if they look at that thing and go, "Oh my God, they managed to send this out here, and it works," maybe we need to go check these people out. Maybe because they're either really, really smart, or they got really, really lucky. In either case, we need to go find out why. Right, like they're taking bets on whether or not it's lucky, and depending on you know what part of the world they look at. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no. uh, uh, Continuing in the real space news, uh, we had two shuttle attempts to, or two, sorry, two rocket launch attempts and two failures. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. The uh, the Artemis launch tried to happen, and much as NASA engineers had issues back in the 80s and 90s with liquid liquid hydrogen, we're having issues with liquid hydrogen again. Oh, um, they they cannot safely get the rocket fueled. Uh, the next launch window will be September 19th to October 4th. However, there are some battery issues that they need to get dealt with uh, in the rocket itself. The rockets, uh, the batteries are rated for 25 days. Uh, NASA would need to extend that battery rating out to about 40 days. So they're going to have to take a, a good long look at whether or not they can; those batteries can last the 40 days. If they cannot, they're going to have to roll it back in and do the necessary service. And the following uh, launch window would be October 17th to October 31st. And I think KK would be very happy with an October 31st launch. That'd be fun. fun. I launch on my birthday. It could be a spooky launch. Spooky launch! They have to paint the rocket orange and put a big smiley face on it. Well, the rocket is orange. Cool. <laughs> They're halfway there. Yeah, the uh, a lot, a, a good portion of this rocket was put together with space launch system from the space shuttles. Oh, so they recycled. That's good. Yeah, but the problem with that is that. The space shuttles were notorious about being unreliable at best 
and they were 40 years old. Oh. So, yeah. Maybe, but maybe buying new would be better than trying to recycle at this point, especially when you're talking about spacecraft. I want to be the optimist and be like, well, they, they know better than us, but that's, I, mm, you wonder sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. That's uh, that's all the real space news that I have. Is um, there fake space news? Uh, I do have fake space news, but we'll get Ooh. to that in a minute. Okay. Um, a while ago, and I couldn't tell you when. Uh, Joe probably could do a search a lot better than I could, but uh, I talked about the massive Tiamat statue that they're coming out with. Yes. It is now up for pre-order. Oh, boy. A massive statue of one of Dungeons & Dragons' most iconic villains is up for pre-order. Sideshow Collectibles has revealed a new statue, the new statue of Tiamat, the evil goddess of chromatic dragons. The statue stands 28 inches tall with a wingspan of over 30 inches. The statue depicts Tiamat standing on top of a fiery crag of rock, with each of Tiamat's five heads bear five heads bearing its heads and readying to attack. I believe it's supposed to be bearing its teeth. That but would make more edit- sense. That's, that's the editor in me here. Uh, mm-hmm. A quote deluxe version of the statue is also available, which comes with a light up element in the mouth of each of tms five heads oh shit the element okay. corresponds with the type of breath weapon that that head has adding an extra level of detail to this already gorgeous statue and uh yeah i will give you first artist rendering Ooh, pretty gorgeous and reality Wow. That's 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 pretty cool. So according to rumor, Tiamat could actually make an appearance later this year as uh, the upcoming Dragonlance campaign. Shadow of the Dragon Queen also refers to an aspect of Tiamat. Uh Takisis, the Takesis. evil dragon Takisis. Uh, the evil dragon goddess and chief antagonist of the Dragonlance novels is another aspect of Tiamat. Tiamat also made multiple appearances in the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon back in the 1980s as a reoccurring nemesis. Almost jokingly, but sad. Uh, Want to throw down what you what, what the numbers are going to be? It's oh. going to hurt. Oh, it's, a couple It's going to hurt. Yeah, uh, that's... the standard version will run you only nineteen hundred and eighty dollars. Only the deluxe version twenty one forty five. Wow! Wow! Get right on ordering that. <laughs> right. Uh, the quote got on the uh, sideshow.com uh, website uh, says, No longer imprisoned in the nine hells, Tiamat makes her triumphant ascent and claims the well of dragons as her lair. Well done. 
that is really a beautiful piece. You know, I love that this is one of the things that the resurgence of D&D has made possible. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, so uh, pretty. So, yeah, 28 inches high, uh, 31 inches across, and 37 and a half inches deep. Oh, so Lord. it's a big... big, big she a beast. Big Drop that critter. down. <laughs> Drop that down on a play mat and see what your players do. Shit themselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you win. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna take. You know what? I'm gonna. Uh, I, I'm gonna hide in the shadows and uh, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> it, it it is time to start my retirement. Um. Y'all, good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that that is definitely uh. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna retire now. It's it's time. I always I always wanted to own a tavern <laughs> somewhere on I've the got, other side of the world. I've got enough loot that I can own like six of them. There you go. It's all good. Ooh, so, where I took that arrow to the knees, really starting to hurt. I should probably go get that taken a look at. Yeah, it twinges every time I see a giant fucking dragon. <laughs> Just saying. I want to I wanna run the campaign where the entire goal is to open a tavern. The party gets back together again? Yeah. And like decides that they're gonna open a tavern, but then like all of the like combat and weird shit is like permanent permitting, and the monster in the basement. <laughs> the rogue is the, uh, the the silent financial uh, backer. <laughs> the bard is you know the bard. The bard. Everybody's arguing over who's you know. Running the day-to-day -day operations. Who's ordering supplies? That's how you get your. Oh no, no that's XP. the paladin. That's <laughs> that's that's the paladin. He orders the supplies. The fighters behind the bar. The barbarians <laughs> at the door. Wizards, the wizards in the the wizard and the sorcerer are in the kitchen. <laughs> there you go. And we have our next campaign. <laughs> The druids outside growing the growing the uh, vegetables. working in the working in the garden growing the yeah. vegetables for the stews. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. farm to table. <laughs> don't don't ask what the warlock is doing down in the basement. <laughs> just just let it. Are you enjoying that drink, sir? Then don't worry about what. Don't he's doing argue. <laughs> you don't I, I need figured, to know. I figured the warlock was the one who was dealing with permitting and. And uh, other eldritch beings. Uh, no, I, I would I would imagine that the warlock would be a uh, would be a great bead maker. Ooh, yeah, he would. The warlocks would probably be very good at brewing. <laughs> and the cleric must be, going, must be handling the paperwork. Uh, the, the cleric's the attorney. Yeah, I I I'm fully down with this. Okay. Right. Here we go. We need we, we need to we need to start right we need to start writing. Yep. <laughs> and going this is the newest supplement. 
Heroes and heroes in the off hours. Because <laughs> everybody needs a side hustle, even in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. <laughs> you can't be an adventurer forever. Right. Uh, a little more D and D news, and this is uh, not so happy and fun news. Um, I am reading from uh, comicbook.com. Dungeons and Dragons has removed several depictions of the Hadozi. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yep, uh, and that's been a that's been a stinker in the community for the last week or two. Uh they have removed several depictions from D Beyond after apologizing for the inclusion of quote offensive material, unquote. In the Spelljammer Adventures in Space box set, Wizards of the Coast has removed all depictions of the Hadozi from the digital version of those books found on D&D Beyond. The affected pieces of art include depictions found in Astral Adventures Guide, along with art found in Boo's Astral Menagerie. One piece of artwork found in Astral Adventures Guide was particularly criticized for its similarity to historical depiction of a black-faced minstrel. Uh, the Hadozi were at the center of controversy last week over a revised backstory for the race that appeared in Astral Adventures Guide. The Hadozi were revised with a history of being experimented on by a wizard who visited their home planet with the intent of creating magically enhanced soldiers for sale. The depiction was criticized for adding themes of forced enslavement and eugenics as a default for creatures, despite Wizards of the Coast expressing their desire to move away from harmful trips and descriptions in their books. Uh, Wizards of the Coast apologized for the offensive material late on Friday and removed several paragraphs from the digital version of the D of D&D Beyond, along with in issuing an errata for the books. The company also plans to undergo a, quote, thorough review, unquote, about the books and will take appropriate action as a result. The uh, offensive paragraphs will also not appear in future print runs of Spelljammer. Uh, both the pictures and original content uh, can be found on third-party websites like 20, although this could change uh, due, this could be due to changes being issued during a holiday weekend. Uh, personally, good on you, wizards. Um, it would have been nice had you acted faster or maybe caught this in editing. Yes. But good on you for uh, paying attention. Yeah, they didn't fight it. They took responsibility for it and they took action. That's how you do it. Yeah. It, 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 it's almost funny that that's exactly what we kind of want corporations and people to do. Yep. Right? So... Uh, I, I can't speak for everybody, but off, off, on behalf of myself, good on you, wizards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. I will echo Will's sentiment. Probably should have caught that somewhere in the editing process beforehand, but uh, you, your reaction uh, is both warranted and uh, you know well well done. So, uh, so. Uh, no spoilers. This is a spoiler-free zone. Um, but Amazon is... Uh, Amazon's concerned. 
the 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 negative bombing their negative oh. bombing oh but now they you, you can't do that yeah uh amazon is reportedly putting a 3 day delay on user reviews for all of its content on amazon prime video including the newly released Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, according to reports from Variety and Deadline, the delay is supposed to help stave, uh, stave off review bombing, uh, which is the act of flooding a particular show, movie, game, or book with negative remarks. Like was uh, done Amazon, to Miss Marvel and uh, a couple uh, other shows that have come out recently. Yes. Uh, an Amazon representative told Variety that it put the policy in place to give the service time to evaluate whether a user review comes from an actual viewer, not a bot or a troll looking to hijack the review section. Amazon introduced the policy earlier this summer, starting with its reboot of A League of Their Own, which contended with review bombers who opposed the show's political stance. Uh, I can't speak to that i have no idea what their political stance is i honestly forgot that they were re-released they were doing this so uh, the complaint with the league of their own is that there is depictions of members of the the women's baseball league being gay being lesbians um which a member of the women's baseball league from the from the world war ii era uh, at the age of 95, uh, finally publicly came out, admitted that she was, you know, came out as a lesbian and said in her estimation about two thirds of the women's league was was gay women. So. Hello. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this is not a political stance. This is fact. Yeah. And and the other side of it is, is that the beloved movie of the 90s. um they intentionally played down the possibility that any of the women were lesbians. Uh, Penny Marshall, as a director, made that decision. So, yeah, Rosie uh, O'Donnell did an interview about it recently. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they they because they they were under the thumb of a uh, a studio. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you do what the studio tells you to do if you want to get this made. Yep. So, yeah, people. I guess people are apparently. Uh, I mean, we 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 heard rumblings when the first the first trailers for Rings of Power came out, and they depicted members of Middle Earth races being of different skin colors. Uh, there were there was the hand wringing and the gnashing of teeth of the. I don't even know what to call them. Idiots. Okay. Uh, uh, to give you an idea, uh, the series currently has a general audience rating of 34% on Rotten Tomatoes, while 24.7% of reviewers on IMDb, which is owned by Amazon, gave it one star. Now, here's my question. If you're upset with a show depicting races in Middle Earth. I'm going to say that again. Races in Middle Earth. 
that do not apply to how you think that they should be, I invite you to go read Tolkien. If you can get through it, you will find that there's not a whole lot there. So, aside from the stereotypical all elves are fair-skinned, Please tell me where you find color race in Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien doesn't really describe skin tone all that no. much, other than, you know, being fair-skinned and things like that. Like, Well, he, he does, though. Um, when he talks about the Corsairs of the South, they are always, in Tolkien, they are depicted as having darker skin. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why Tolkien has been called out from time to time on being a little bit on the, the colorist, racist side of things. But then again, Tolkien was a man of his time. So at his time in, in the world, Great Britain controlled most of Africa, the Indian subcontinent, and huge swaths of territory. So he... I always like to look at a, a problem that is being presented and going, what is your solution? What exactly is your solution for making this acceptable? I think what the producers of, of the show have done, I, I, am, I am fully in, in favor of what they're doing. Um, no spoilers, but we meet Duran's wife. She's awesome. All I'm she saying. is. She is. She's um, super cool. But I, my, my, the problem I think is if, if, if this show doesn't match what you wanted to see in a series inspired by Tolkien, then don't watch it. But don't, don't go ruin trying to ruin someone's hard work because it doesn't match what you wanted. I, I got a I got a better idea for you. Okay. I, I this is gonna seem weird, I know. If you got a better idea, write it. Mm -hmm. Write it. Get it produced. Get it made. Get your vision out there for the world. And then let every little troll mm -hmm. who's going to hide behind the anonymity of the internet to come and tear your piece of work down. How about this? How about you just sit there and watch it? If something is blatantly out there that is really fucked up, that's fine. We can get, you know, we just talked about Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. Wizards of the Coast doing the right thing when something's really fucked up. Yeah. Because you're not happy with the casting. I, I have really? seen I, I have seen I mean someone put together a full on essay for CNN uh you know basically going well, well this is this is based off a of European mythology and it's like buddy if you think if you are of any delusion that Europe was somehow entirely all white at any point you don't understand geography at all. At all. You look 
go to Rome. Well, I mean, this would involve someone having to be cultured and understand. Go to Rome. They have statues of senators from around the empire. Some of them are carved from beautiful black basalt. You know why? Because there were black senators in Rome. There wasn't some sort of weird fence that kept cultures from intermingling. That's, that's modern day thinking. These are people who traded both in ideas and goods because they were subsisting in a world where the water was still dangerous. I mean, we have proof of Arab travelers getting into Norway and Sweden. It's, it's, it boggles my mind. A well, little history, a little geography, a little understanding that the world was inter has been intermingling since before we had language. Well, I, I, I'm going to bring up somebody who is absolutely beloved, right? A character who is absolutely beloved. Now, I want you to think about this character as I describe him, which is from the book. His head was too large for his body, with a brute's squashed-in face beneath a swollen shelf of a brow. One green eye and one black eye, one peered out from under a lank fall of hair, so blonde it seemed white. Ooh, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to give the audience a chance to guess. Three, two, one, Joe. That is Tyrion Lannister, as described by George R.R. R. Martin. Correct. Now, we're going to start complaining about his casting in the TV show. Oh, wait, nobody's ever, no one, not a single person complained about the fact that, oh, he didn't look anything like he did in the books. Yeah. And, well, and, is and, it because and, you thought he was fucking awesome because he goddamn is? <laughs> um, how about I, you just sit there and enjoy the show? I mean, you, you didn't even get to the part where after the, the Battle of the Blackwater, when like half his nose is cut off. How about you just, if, if you really want to get the, the, the true immersive version of things, read the fucking book. Leave the and, TV show alone because, yeah. hey, guess what? Uh, just because you're not happy with it doesn't mean that they have to go and redo the whole fucking show. If that's the case, then everybody's going to want to have their fucking hand in it. And guess what? Nothing's ever going to get done because you're not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Leave the, the these folks who are making this show have taken the money, the effort, the energy, the craft, the skill, and they're putting on, we've watched the first, Kayla and I watched the first two episodes and, uh, it is, it is gorgeous. It is well told. It's not being rushed. It's not being forced. It's, it's, I, I can't wait until the next episode comes out. That's, that's how hooked in i am so yeah if you yeah I, I i can't watch until there's like four or five episodes out because i need to complete, completely understand uh luckily they put out two um the first week so kayla and i were able and th and then came the you know coming coming the rest of the season it was just like okay but this rest of the season now can we have it now no, you have to wait like old, like the old days. The only difference now is if you miss it 
when it you know when it airs you don't have to wait six months for a, a, a repeat that may uh, or may not come uh see we live in a great world i think that was the saving grace of us being sick this week because we had cool stuff to watch Got caught up on all your shows. A few. Yeah. We found a new show. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually older, but we just discovered it. Um, so, so we've talked before about um, Fortune Fire. You know, mm-hmm. everybody loves Fortune Fire. All of our friends of Fortune Fire. We have a friend that was on Fortune Fire. Super cool, right? So, there's another offshoot. A fortune fire called Knife Fight. What I, it I like the title already. <laughs> yeah. So what it is is I don't remember the name of the host. She'll knife remember or death. the name of the Knife or right. Death. That's it. Uh, and it is hosted what, by Bill Goldberg of Spear Jackhammer fame. And uh Chu Lam who is a former special forces green beret can kill you with his, you know, left eyebrow. The contestants all come with their chosen blade, whatever they want to bring chopper, kukri, uh, whatever, butcher knife, butcher knife, whatever they want to bring. And they have to go through this obstacle course. Of cutting things. <laughs> it sounds very simple. Um, but yeah, it's it's insane. The 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 fish. There's there's one section where there's three or four things where they have to get through them in one slice. If you don't get through them in one slice, you don't continue. And it's like it's a chicken, a fish. And, and something tube, else. That and a tube with ball bearings in it. And the first episode, I don't think anybody got through the fish. No, no one got through the fish. Now, uh, uh, do you have to take your time? It or... is timed. Okay, but I, what I'm saying is, could could I walk up to the chicken and like find a joint and push my knife through it. No. No, it no, has to be it, one clean swing. Right, it would be. I just would need to adjust the chicken to find the joint. Yeah, no. You can't touch the you can't touch it at all. You literally have to just stand in front of it and take one big swipe. And because the idea is you have to cut it in half. Okay. So the funny part in is there with a dagger would probably not work very well. No, because some of the stuff is like one thing that uh, there's one place where they have uh, three different things full of like sand or sawdust and there's counterweights. So you have to hack at it until enough of the stuff comes out to make the counterweight fall. Like this there's all these like a survivor challenge. It is kind of Survivor-esque, for sure. There's all sorts of different... Um, there's one where, like, you have to cut a rope, which makes a bottle of water swing down, and you have to cut the bottle of water in the right angle so that it slashes... So it splashes the right way to put out a candle. Okay. Like now, see, <laughs> the, 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 the complexity of this keeps getting higher and higher and higher. 
Exactly. That, that is, now that's not what only do you have to cut this, but you have to cut it in such a way that other things happen that yeah, physics well, could possibly not be in your favor. Yes. yes. There is there are several who they cut the rope, the bottle swung, they missed the bottle on the, the swing out towards them and the candle, and then they hit it on the back swing where the water was going the opposite direction. It was like, um gentlemen. That doesn't work. Uh, and every time you don't complete a task perfectly, you get a penalty, um, like a time penalty. Time. There's, there's, and it's all like you start out with uh, either a a wooden dowel or rope cut to where you're just slashing through like five or six ropes, and those ropes make these like torches come down. And then you go on to the next thing, and it's a big block of ice. And the block of ice has a tube in the middle of it with red liquid. And you have to slash the uh, the block of ice until you can see the red liquid come out. And then you go on to the, the chicken and the fish in the tube, where you have to cut them in half. And then you go on to another precision challenge, and it keeps going for a while. And then who's ever got the best time goes on to an even more difficult obstacle course. Yeah, I just put it into the into our chat <laughs> there's trailblazer the stick and move the ice pick the lifeline which is where you have to cut the chicken the fish and the plastic tube uh and then there's the curtain call which is what is it you slash like the slash couple things that they have like a slab of pork belly and then a, a, a piece of sheet metal <laughs> <laughs> That's to get out of the first round. It's really, it's, it's like, crazy. You need to have a knife that will cut through sheet metal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's gonna. Yeah, that's gonna be a thing. They, it's it's tough. It's super tough, and like usually there's only a couple of people that make it through the first round, let alone the second. But it's it's a hell of a challenge. Yeah, uh, so they take the top two performers out of out of the first round to go into the dead run, which is the second round, um, and that starts off with the steak knife, where you have to cut five steaks in half as they hang from a rotating carousel. Uh, the extinguisher, which is one Kayla is talking about, where you have to cut the bottle to make it the bottles. You have to cut a rope to release the bottle to then cut the bottle to put out a candle. Uh, there's a weight cut where you have to cut forty pounds. <laughs> or more from both a hanging ice block and a rack of meat slabs. Uh, free fall, uh, which uh, reminds me of the when, when smartphones were first becoming real big, there was that fruit slicing game. Uh, so free fall, they drop uh, watermelons that you have to slice uh, as they fall. Uh, strike zone, that's a bunch of stuff that you have to cut in half. Uh, ropes, water bottles, a slab of meat. Uh, and then firestorm, you cut two ropes, climb up steps, and then cut a stack of sugar cane to stop the clock. And then you have to thinly shave a tomato. After you cut through thin, a tin can. <laughs> and, and if you don't thinly slice a tomato, it is not thin enough to see through, you get castrated with your blade. Ooh. Just hey, if we're gonna do this, let's make this difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy show. It's really interesting. Which through the show, we also found out that there's such a thing as chopping sports. 
Yes, Blade Sports. Yes. Blade Sports. Yes, this, this is a thing. <laughs> YouTube, it's all over YouTube. You can absolutely find them. It's it's totally a thing. Honey, I, I did I not have, know. I do have I do have something bad to tell you. Oh no. There are only three seasons of this show. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> and each uh, each season is only uh well, first season is six episodes, the second and third season are eight episodes, so Well, we'll have to space it out then. <laughs> but though if those of you that are into weird reality competition shows and and like knives, this is the show for you. Also, there are some weird people. Uh, I would imagine. Oh, hey, honey. Uh? Uh, talking about TV. Uh, guess what debuts uh, premieres this week? What? The new version of Ink Master. Oh, yeah. I saw that this morning. I'm excited. It'd be interesting. Ryan's a judge. Yes. See, you can be geeky about things other than comics. Hey, you can be a geek about anything. This is true. Yeah, hey, Joe's will turning. Your, will you get your fantasy football team together? No. Uh, no, sir. I, I'm sorry. Once, once you start getting paid, I, I lose interest. <laughs> no, I'll watch. I'll, I, I will watch college ball college football oh, any yeah. day pro i don't care i, I was more of my being a joking about being be able to be a geek about anything because let's be honest fantasy football is, is super geeky yes yes super geek absolutely oh, so well i was a terrible I, I was either a terrible human being or a really good human being this week while we've been sick <laughs> okay, she, I will be judging McJudgerson for you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, I I have made Kayla watch with me uh, this week's AW Dynamite Rampage, um, and the Zero Hour before yesterday's All Out. Okay, I was sick. I was a captive audience. <laughs> Okay, when 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 I hear made her, I I I envision ropes and chains and no, I mean that's, that's... I mean that could make it fun, but <laughs> <laughs> it was more or, of... or was it just I put this on the TV and she didn't want to get up and move? Pretty much, it, it was more of is it okay? And yes, we can MST3K it. As long as I'm allowed to MST3K the hell out of it, I'll watch it. See, there you go. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the, we, a friend of mine was actually, my friend Sean was actually at All Out yesterday. Um, and, and as he was saying, the pre-show, uh, as it was going on, he was like, wow, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of head, uh, head spikes and uh, I responded back to him on Twitter with, oh, yeah, we watched Zero Hour, and it really was a lot of people getting dropped on their heads. Yeah, it's not nice that's... to drop people on their heads. 
that's that's a that's a thing to be careful of. Yeah, that'll shorten your uh, shorten your career and uh, your height, and and your life. Yes. See, now I had just gotten used to half naked violent gymnastics, <laughs> and then <laughs> they did this thing. She's not wrong, by the way. No. <laughs> the only reason it's not full naked gymnastics is I don't think TNT would allow that. that, that because that's the paper, amount... That's, pay, that's pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> the amount don't ask. of don't, face... Don't, don't ask. I, I've seen it. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it, too. But <laughs> the amount of faces that go into crotches in wrestling, I did not realize. It, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's. It's a lot. Like, I, it's okay. And I was, I'm getting used to this. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I understand. I did, and, but then they did this slap fight thing. Oh, she, the the Eddie Kingston Ishi fight last night on Zero Hour, where. They this were, is like they... something two drunk guys do in a bar. Yeah. You're still not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, we were sort of watching it and, and just uh, Ishii's chest especially was just getting blood red. And it was just like, it was like, that's, they're, they're, he's going to, something bad's going to happen. I mean, like I knew, I knew that it, that chops and wrestling. Like I knew that was like a rite of passage, or like a, you know, see how hard you can take that hit to the chest thing. Like I knew there was a thing. I have friends that are wrestlers, you know. But to see an entire match based on that, and then they moved to faces. So now we're just slapping each other in the face. I swear to God, there was a moment I saw one of them laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 not at all surprised, but. Um, if you have not, if you are not familiar, um, it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, there, there is such a thing as um, slap contests. I've, I've seen that. That is scary. Uh-huh. Kayla, if you, if you have not seen this, go to YouTube. <laughs> it's holy shit. Like, people get flat knocked the fuck out. My God. The world like, is a really strange place. Like Friday, you just expect a dude to come popping over your head going, you got knocked out. So, I, I mean. There was a couple couple months back, whatever. I remember I was looking on YouTube for whatever and found the bare knuckle fighting championship or some nonsense. And I was like. And these are folks literally bare knuckle fighting. And I was like, ooh, this is, this is not good. So that's been our week sick. <laughs> what else yeah. is going on in the world, guys? So I, I just, I, I just posted a link for you to go and look at. Oh, gods. Oh, I remember this one. How long is this? Oof. Hey, the powder is a nice touch. 
so you can really see the impact. Uh, we 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 will. Uh, Joe will have to post. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm not gonna. Because uh, yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll understand when you go and watch the yeah. Yeah, just go watch the video because holy crap, these guys are absolutely nuts. Oh my god! I, you know, my mother used to say when I was little all the time, "It takes all kinds." You know, and it's such a sweet sentiment. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then you get older, and you realize how broad that spectrum of all kinds really is. <laughs> No, in the when world they tell of... you that when they tell you that the internet has something for everyone, they're not kidding, right? Holy cow! You know, in in the world of violence as entertainment, you know, like I used to say back in our Adria days, it's violence for the whole family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe, you have anything fun and interesting for us? Uh well, uh I have uh two two things. Um so in the wake of Warner Brothers Discovery trying to cut costs every way, DC Fandom has uh has become a victim of their cost cutting. Happen. Uh Warner Brothers Discovery in uh, a statement explained why it's electing to end the online-only event in spite of its popularity. With the return of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our fans live at numerous Comic-Cons around the world and will not be scheduling DC Fandom for 2022. Uh, DC Fandom started in 2020 in response to the uh, pandemic, which is still going on, just in case anybody was still wondering. Um, and they used it as a billboard for their upcoming movies, TV projects, video games, and whatnot. Um, but hey, you know, when they were at Gen, uh, when they were at uh, San Diego Comic Con this year, they brought nothing. No, that's not true. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. They brought The Rock and Black Rock Adam. And Black Adam. Didn't we already talk about this? Yes, several but, times. But Fandom would have been their big thing to like get the layout, everything that was going to be coming out. Except could, for could so it, much has now been cut. Could it be because they don't have enough to make the content? That's probably true. Just uh, so the these uh, so what's the over under on DC being sold to Disney? I don't oh. know. Uh but on the good news, Harley Quinn avoids the chopping block at HBO Max. Uh it has been renewed for a fourth season with its R-rated sensibilities. And we, and we wouldn't have it any other way. No. That's right. Um you know. As the, the, this article starts off, despite the recent cancellations of high-profile projects like Batgirl and Batman Caped Crusader, it's not all doom and gloom in DC land. 
Uh, but it's really sad when you're having to look for uh, glowing moments and things not getting cut. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there. I, I'm going to say uh, 20, 2030. 2030. 2030. Disney will own DC. Yeah. I saw something that said that and and this is I can't find it at the moment, so this is a fuzzy. But something about that they're getting rid of HBO movies. Like somebody bought somebody, and okay. HBO. Tell me what's going on with this, because okay. like home box office is no longer home box office. Like what's the deal? So HBO. So Warner Brothers got purchased by Discovery. Um, so they got HBO Max, they got uh, DC, um, TNT, TBS, everything that was under the Warner Brothers, Warner Media uh, umbrella. And that all started because AT&T bought Warner Brothers, but they brought they bought it for Warner Communications and they didn't want the entertainment division. So Discoveries, the, the new Warner Brothers Discovery, has been looking for ways to basically write off $3 billion worth of stuff. So the, what was it, $90 million for Batgirl? It doesn't get released. It gets written off. Um. They are taking shows, they're taking movies off of HBO Max. In fact, the idea that the plan is to eventually get rid of HBO Max and roll it into roll it into um another streaming thing, probably a bigger, better version of Discovery Plus. We lost Will. We just lose Will. There you are. And he's back. Yes, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Okay. So yeah, so the Warner Brothers Discovery is having to is trying to cut three billion from their books, um, and they are pulling things. They're taking down things. Um, they've been taking down some of the older uh, Sesame Street episodes from HBO Max, and uh, but I need in, to in, in their in their defense, some of those episodes were. They're considered sketchy now. This is true. In 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 all fairness. Okay. It it was not a unilateral oh these these hand picked episodes. It, it was these hand picked episodes, but there's a reason for it. Okay. I mean, as long as they're not trying to kill Sesame Street, because then, you know, we write at dawn. Yes, we write at dawn. Well, I thought we plan at dawn. <laughs> dawn, we plan. We plan. Um, uh, essentially, the, the 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 Warner Brothers thing. Um, it's been pretty well fucked since like 2000, when AOL bought Time Warner. Yeah, I mean it. Kind of, it went to shit. Um. Uh, 
that was the biggest merger in American history at the time. And holy crap, did it fuck the world of entertainment up because they haven't, they have not done anything with it since. And it's just been uh, a shunt off, a shunt off, shunt off. We're going to throw it over here. We're going to throw it over there. We're going to throw it over here. And it's never had, um, it's kind of well we we're, we've been lumped into this deal and we've been lumped into this deal and we've been lumped into this deal and Warner Brothers has just been passed back and forth as just being another property and yeah. now it's under discovery who they don't know what to do with it either and because they have so much going on, just if if, if you want to see just how, what they've got to deal with at Discovery, take a look at what's on Discovery Plus. Right, but all of their sub channels. But on the other that's hand, that's a lot. But on the other hand, HBO Max, which everything is pointing to, they're looking to get rid of. HBO Max was one of the most successful streaming platforms out there um and at this point they're just looking for you know they're just looking for cost cutting they're just looking for you know to to make back via losses because this costs a lot of money to run sounds like game of thrones network style yeah pretty much yeah pretty much (laughs) this the the thing is hbo max is can be profitable the problem is is it's a big property there's a lot of moving parts and it's very expensive to run for discovery who look at their look at discovery plus they operate reality television reality television going back to the writer's strike in the 80s and 90s is cheap to produce. Interesting. Well, I mean, if you don't want to pay Todd Hoffman, you get, uh, you get, uh, you know, one of the other guys out there to go mine gold on Gold Rush. Um, so to, to give you an idea, one it is fair to say that Survivor going into like season, I don't know what, 264 like um, is probably the most successful reality television show out there. Right? Probably. Every episode is a, a million dollars to produce. Holy shit. That's Survivor. That's just one show. Show one episode. One show, one episode. Uh, Game of Th- Game of Thrones season one. Six million dollars an episode. Shit. So HBO with its scripted television, high production value. High production value comes with high production cost. HBO Max is expensive to run versus what 
Discovery is running. Yeah, I guess so. Deadliest uh. Catch, <laughs> one of their most popular TV shows on Discovery, right? Yep. About a million dollars an episode. So, if if you if you think that okay, one million dollars for every episode of television that I can produce, well, now you're talking. You have a new Game of Thrones. You have a new this. You have a new that. You have all of these high production cost things that instead of a million dollars an episode, you're running six, ten million dollars an episode. That's a hard pill to swallow for a company yeah. that, frankly, can't handle that much layout. So what can we cut? to get the production cost down to where it's manageable under our business plan. Unfortunately, for those of us who like DC and Game of Thrones and all these other shows, we're not going to get that with Discovery. So they would be most beneficial to mothball a bunch of shit, get the cost down, and sell it off to where somebody is going to pick it up. It's going to take five to seven years to get that down because they have to get through what they've already got and produce only what they need to game of Thrones. Uh, Harley Quinn things that they can sell and then look for somebody to buy it. And ultimately, that's going to come down to Disney, Amazon. Uh, BBC might make a run for it. That'd be kind of cool. BBC needs a home. I, I could also see uh, Comcast and you know NBC Comcast Universal. Yeah, I don't know that Universal. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that the antitrust folks would be down with Warner Brothers merging with Universal. Well, they would definitely wouldn't be down with Disney merging with Universal uh, with Warner Brothers either. Then, if we're if we're if we're going to actually play the antitrust game, um, the only I mean, because the old thing that would have been kept against it would have been the Six Flags parks, but the Six Flags got divested from Warner Brothers years ago, so. Anyway, wow, we started talking business on the geeks. See, this you can be a geek about anything. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with us. And then I got one last thing. Scientists are trying to unlock the key to immortality. Oh, God, here we go fucking with shit that you shouldn't fuck with. Go ahead. Uh, so they are exploring... Uh, short of, you know, becoming a vampire. Um, They're looking into jellyfish as maybe a way to live forever. Uh, so what? Uh, we've known for some time that uh, Turritopsis dorni, otherwise known as the immortal jellyfish, was out there living its best life over and over again. 
by intermittently switching between its adult and larval stages. When the stresses of being an adult become too much for it to bear, it simply turns back the clock to become a juvenile and starts the whole process over again. Ew. I know a couple of humans like that. <laughs> <laughs> While disease and predation can and do end the lives of uh, these jellies, uh, they generally don't succumb to the same biological clock as the rest of us. Um, so they, a scientist from the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Bi- Biology at the University of Oviedo, uh, have been identifying the genes responsible for opening the door to future research. They are looking to see how the immortal jellyfish is able to switch on and off its genome like that. That's all we need is dumb humans. Because here's the thing. It's going to cost money. And those with the money are going to get it. And we all know that the ones with the money are the dumb ones. I can't disagree with you there. So, but... You know, if they need a a, a a a tester, I would like to live forever. No, I don't. I really no, don't. really don't. Unless we can do like the hibernation thing, like vampires, where like you go to sleep for like several hundred years, wake back up, see how it is. If you don't like it, go back to sleep. I wow, yeah. Of all the things that we could be putting money towards in research. Like, I don't know, making sure everyone has a roof over their head and food and medical attention. We're going to fuck around with jellyfish. My question is, is did, did they get a grant for this? Probably. Or is this privately funded? Because if it's privately funded, I don't care. But it, it, if there was funding available for this... Um, we need to take a look at the. Uh... I really hope this wasn't NIH funded. <laughs> I mean, I, I, if there are benefits that come out of it, like you know, something to help combat dementia, or like, I, the 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 catchy headline is you know is the you know immortality thing. But if there are a way to use this to not have you know severe neurological conditions that like dementia or like alzheimer's where you know yeah then by all means but yeah uh, in in reality you never know what direction uh, undirected research is going to lead you i i mean this how many is true times has it been we're gonna we're, we're trying to uh to create a way to do this and oh look this happened but this is really, really good for this. Yep. Wasn't so. it? Uh, what was it that I saw recently? It was like Viagra or something like that. That was originally being, be, yeah, as developed as a blood pressure thing. Yep. But there's yep. been a couple incidences where something was originally being developed for a good reason. And then they found out that it could do something that may not necessarily be bad, but it's going to make a whole lot more money. And they go in that direction. And the thing that worked to do this good thing doesn't get out there to do this good thing, gets out there to do the thing that's going to make them the most money. Because yay capitalism. And this has been the 
negative news the geekiest. Oh, goodness. Anything else you got, Joe? That was it. So, I, I learned something new today. What did uh -oh. you learn? Um, and it's a question that's popped up in my head a couple of times, and, and, and debates have happened about it. Uh, we we love Deep Space Nine. Yes. Um, where was the Enterprise E during all of those huge, gigantic battles? Pretty good question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and one that most people don't think about. I know. Um, <gasps> the Enterprise E was absolutely in service. Uh, we, we, we know that from uh, Picard and external sources uh, that are. I believe it was. They arguably canon. Yeah, I believe it was mentioned um, in uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Uh, which takes place during the Dominion War. So why wasn't the Enterprise there? Um, actually, mostly it comes down to a very un-Star Trek uh, thing. Oh, Money. Mm -hmm. Came down to money. Uh, Star Trek had a, a fairly decent budget, but uh, Bringing the actors from the next generation into Deep Space Nine would have increased the production costs uh, related to Deep Space Nine to a point that they could not afford. Also, uh, the Enterprise E was technically owned by Paramount, and CBS didn't own paramount or the other way around at that point in time and cbs was producing and owning deep space nine so to bring the enterprise in they would have had to pay paramount a really big dollar amount that makes sense so i learned something new today and now hopefully so have you <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else, or do we want do we want to get into the fun shit that I got? Let's get into the fun shit. Fun shit. All right. Uh, what Star Trek actor appeared in the most episodes? Oh, good question. Right? Yeah. Now, there's a couple. There, now, now there's a, there's a couple of caveats. Um. I'm not talking about what character came in the most. I'm talking the actor who has appeared the most times in the show. Michael Dorn. No. No. And it's not Tim Russ. He's been in the most different uh, series. Uh, Michael Dorn, by the way, is number two. Okay, because he was on between, two series, so I between, figure it was a lot. Between between the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and the movies, yeah, and the upcoming episodes that he may be in, uh, that yep. he's credited in being in, 
Uh, he has 292 appearances. So Patrick but Stewart. He is not, but he is mm-hmm. not the champion. Yeah. Would have to be Patrick Stewart, right? No. No. No? Less. 213. <sighs> Good guess, though. There's actually someone in between Patrick Stewart and Michael Dorn. Okay. So. Um, I, I feel Cole like Michelle's got to be up there. Michelle Barrett, too. Yeah. Cole Meany is the one that's in between Patrick Stewart and Michael Dorn with 225 okay. episodes. Okay. And Majel Barrett is the champion of all the Star Trek appearances, not only playing number one on the original pilot. Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel. Chapel the voice of the computer. computer and Loxana. Uh, yeah. That's right. Yep. And uh, all told... Majel Barrett has 309 Trek appearances. Wow. That's cool. By the way, Bill Shatner, you suck it at 106. <laughs> wow. Nimoy has more, 114. Oh, yeah. Kate Mulgrew, 181. Woo. Jonathan Frakes, 200. Although yeah, they did count Thomas Riker. I twice. was just going to ask if they counted his twin. And I, 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 he should really get extra credit for directing. Well, this I mean, is true. You, you're going to go with that. I mean, pretty much everybody in the TNG crew at some point directed an episode or three. Yep. Uh, Brent Spiner, 205. Uh, Very cool. I mean, um, they, I love how they've they've made it so they've worked him into two different two separate seasons of Picard, not as the same character. <laughs> now, one actor played twelve different characters across various Star Treks. Oh wow! Now this is this is deep cut knowledge. If you know. You're going to get a major geek point. I mean, I would say Tim Russ, but I think there's somebody more than Tim Russ. Nope, more than Tim Russ. More than Tim Russ. Oh, wow. Let me go ahead and thin the herd. Armin Shimmerin, not him. He's he's done some stuff. Um, I want to say Jeffrey Coombs, but I don't think so. Jeffrey Coombs would be a really good guess. And if you counted clones, <laughs> if you count the clones, then yes. But if you don't count clones, which you really shouldn't count clones because it's the same character, then no. Um, it's not called Ducat. Who's the actor's name always falls out of my head? Mark Alamino. Mark Alamino, thank you. Um, 12 different, you said? Yep. And it's not Tim Russ. Who's done more stuff than Tim Russ? Fuck, I don't know. Um, All right. What's his name that played Galron did a lot of stuff, too? I give, I don't know. The gentleman's name 
is Vaughn Armstrong. Hold on. He played 12 separate characters in 28 episodes over four different series. Oh, do we not know who this man is? By the way, only five actors have played seven or more characters in the Star Trek franchise. Jeffrey Combs, Randy Oglesby, J.G. Herlitzer, and Thomas Kopach. Uh, His characters include a human, a mirror universe human, a Romulan, a Borg, uh, slash former Borg, a Vidian, a Cretacean, a Herogen, two Cardassians, and three Klingons. Uh, He's best known for his recurring role as Admiral Maxwell Forrest in the Star Trek Enterprise series. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. He's like the unsung hero. Uh, He has the distinction of playing the first male Klingon on Star Trek The Next Generation, apart from Worf. Uh, He was also one of the many actors, including Jeffrey Combs and William O. Campbell, who auditioned for the role of William T. Riker. Hmm. He's got quite a career. Character actors, man. Uh, to give you an ad, to give you an answer of the different characters, uh, Captain Chorus from the Next Generation, Gull Dinar from Deep Space Nine, the episode is Past Prologue, one of my favorites. Uh, Doctor Telic Ramor from Voyager, Seskel from Deep Space Nine. Two of Nine, Lancer, uh, Lansor from Voyager. Uh, the Vidian Captain from Voyager. Uh, Alpha Herogen from Voyager. Korath in Voyager. Actual Forest, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, the Klingon Captain in the Enterprise episode, Sleeping Dogs. Uh, the Cretian Captain from Enterprise. And then uh, Captain Max Maximilian Forrest in the Enterprise uh, episode in a mirror dark. Wow. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Von Armstrong. Okay. I thought that was pretty interesting. That I is cool. Definitely- uh, we just had the uh, Star Trek uh, villain face-off. Yep. Any surprise about who won that? No. I, I, as we had gone back through and were re-watching DS9 as uh, we decided to skip Enterprise this cycle for reasons. Uh Watching Goldicott really just, it made sense. Bastard. He really is just a terrible, terrible being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Goldicott's just a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good word. That's that's a real good word. Uh. So, uh, comic book, 
com or cbr.com uh put out their rankings of the 13 greatest star trek villains of all time mm-hmm. and this one it, this one has some interesting ones um gary mitchell ooh uh, appeared in one of the most memorable episodes of the original series. He started off as a close friend of Captain Kirk and the ship's navigator for the USS Enterprise. However, the galactic barrier irradiated Mitchell and he gained supernatural powers. Mitchell's powers continued to intensify and he grew more powerful. He became less human. He lost all connection to his humanity and put the crew of the Enterprise at risk. He uh, tried to force Captain Kirk to do the one thing no good leader ever wants to do, kill his own crewmate. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, yeah, okay. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, That's not his fault. Evil. Yeah, like, you know, extenuating circumstances aside, because, like, the person before the problem was not a problem, but it was the problem that made him a problem. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, number 12. This one absolutely deserved a place just for the fact that um, who was the first main character to be killed off in Star Trek? That's why this particular character has a a, a spot on this list. Uh, the villain's name is Armus. Uh, and the reason that they have a spot on this list is they were the first villain to kill a member of the bridge crew. Tasha Yar, by the way, was the first ah, major just... character to be killed in Star Trek. I was thinking Spock. No. Didn't well, actually die. Really. True. Or didn't stay dead. Didn't stay dead. Uh and, and, and sadly Tasha Yar only made it into the first season. Uh Skin of Evil was the yes. episode. Uh Armus was a being composed of the discarded evil from an ancient race of alien celestials. He had incredible psionic abilities that he used to strike down Lieutenant Tasha Yar, who died instantly, and Armus threatened the other members of the crew by trapping them inside the inky liquid body. Uh, Picard was able to outsmart Argus and free the crew members, but the damage was done. Yep. Yep. Uh, number 11, Captain Gabriel Lorca. Bad guy. Bad guy. Bad guy. As every good bad guy is, he was a hero in his own mind. Oh, yeah. He thought he was doing something good. Oh, he was trying to, in, 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 from a certain point of view. It's, okay. Just saying. From from his point of view, he was trying to do the good thing. Uh, number ten, lore. Ooh, lore was lore was always a good foil, but it 
it seemed like you know with the exception of the uh the whole teaming up with the uh crystalline crystalline entity a lot of his planning and skeeving was pretty quickly undone by you know wesley or data don't no don't forget he also he, he also jumped on with the borg he did but those are the those are freed borgs those are not those are borgs that had been uh, affected by uh hugh's individualism right but he was maniacal enough to want to try to harness Free Borg. Freed Borg. Like that's that that's that's an interesting brain right there. Uh number nine? Nero. Nero. You know Nero is one of those where it's like I get it. You your planet was destroyed, your wife and child killed. You're gonna go get revenge. But, but genocide? Not only genocide, but I, I, I'm going to travel into the past. Yeah, that's the... That's where the... the, the Set you on planet. a planet and let you watch as I destroy your planet. Yeah. Anger issues. Dude could have used some therapy. And now I have the new Star Trek theme in my head oh boy i'm sorry <laughs> who's next the klingons at just, number just, eight just all of them just, yeah, just all of them all the klingons. <laughs> <laughs> no no particular one just the klingons they 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 the list okay. says the Klingons were the Federation's greatest foes, despite eventually becoming allies. They're not wrong. And some really great actors got to play Klingons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Um, number seven is the Romulans. Okay, Again, so we're just going for per- whole groups of people a, now. Not a particular one. We're just going to lump the entire, the, the, all of them into one. Uh, I, I disagree with this. I don't like it, but I, I didn't write the list. By all means, go to CBR.com. Uh, let them know that you, you can't, you hate them all. Uh, so what is it, Kardashians six? next? Uh, no, the Zindi. The Zindi, okay. Which... <laughs> I mean, we're talking about one subsect of the Zindi, but again, two thirds at most. An entire season, an entire season of, of, a, of a TV show that I, an entire season of, of, of a show that I sat and watched that I'll never get back. Uh, number five is the Cardassians. Okay. Just in general. <laughs> They totally uh, I, cheated, I, man. Oh yeah, no, it's it's gonna get worse. Uh, number four, the Dominion. Jesus. Okay, it, I mean, I I'm already this deep into it. I'm gonna go all the way through. Number three I, is the Q. Okay, mm, okay. 
not not just Q, but the Q. The Q. Like the whole, All of the them. whole continuum. Right. Uh, number two, the Borg. Uh, and number one, Khan, Nuni, and Soon. Okay. See, it's just, you can't, like, you can't take, like, individuals and races, races, entire races of people, and put them in the same list. That's, that's lazy. I honestly think that this was just somebody who had a casual understanding of what Star Trek is and who the bad guys are, and just decided to write the article from that point. Because okay. technically, the Nero appears on there twice because he yes. is a Romulan. Uh, yeah, this is what I'm happens surpri- when you don't have a really good Trekkie on staff. I'm surprised yeah. that we didn't get, you know, mirror universe people. Well, we t- did technically. Well, Lorca. <laughs> okay, okay. But I mean, no, I mean, just in a, just a general. Mirror universe people. You know, they have Romulans, they have Cardassians, they have, you know, Klingons. Mirror universe people. Again, I I think somebody who just had a passing a passing knowledge. Somebody who or or some somebody who had access to Wikipedia. I was gonna say somebody who's reading the synopsis of Wikipedia and picking out who were the antagonists. Yeah. Probably. Oh, do better, CPR.com. Do better. (laughs) We will help you. You can hire us. We could do it for you. That's right. That's right. We work for something called money. (laughs) It's really easy to get a hold of our attentions. Uh Uh-huh. The geekiest pod at gmail.com. Just saying. Or across (laughs) any of the socials. You can reach us there, too. Um. And the last thing, because we're, I, you know, I, I, I have to overachieve. Um, the last couple of podcasts we've done the uh, which, what are you based on your uh, horoscope? Mm-hmm. Oh, so boy. how how about what X Men are you? Ooh, <laughs> I'm 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 down for this. All right. I, I I I have I have your attention. Okay, you have our attention. Let's start with Aries. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Our favorite mutant boy scout is without a doubt an Ares. Self-assertive, brave, and a natural born leader. You can only be talking about Cyclops. Mm, yeah. Yeah, with just a touch of arrogance. Very Ares. And some serious anger issues. <laughs> She's my girlfriend. <laughs> My man Cyclops had some serious underlying anger management issues. Yup. Just like a bunch of Aries that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taurus. Um, I I don't really think that this is going to take a whole lot of explanation. Y'all are Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much to say about that. That's kind of... Uh-huh. That it kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Much like the bull that symbolizes them, Torrens charged through any obstacles laid before him. Is it any wonder that Wolverine is emblematic of this Earth, Earth signs pr- 
perseverance. Although somebody needs to get on to uh, the New York Post and do some proofreading because oh. this says emblematic of this earth sings perseverance. Yeah, I am uh, Judgy McJudgerson and I judge you, New York Post. Oh, so there. Uh, Gemini. Uh, Iceman. Huh. Extroverted, quick-witted, life of the party. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, I've had weird experiences with Geminis, but typically, I guess that makes sense. Uh, Cancers. You are Colossus. And boy, is that not appropriate. So I'm a cancer rising. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fair. Boy, is that appropriate. <laughs> uh Leo's Y'all are rogue. I don't know. And I gotta be- say, you know what? I can see it. Yeah. Ooh. Don't mess with a Leo. They are generally the strongest in the room emotionally and physically and will pound you into your next life if you throw shade their way. Uh, I didn't write this. Don't don't come at me. I didn't write this. Uh, Virgo? Nightcrawler. Not hey. sure about that one. What's their reasoning? Uh I'm going to read this verbatim so you can get on uh, on these people. Uh, okay. A thought leader among the group, and I do mean it, a thought leader. This is I, I'm reading what they wrote. Okay. Uh, I, I think they meant thorough. Spell Maybe. check only works when you have the right word in place. Uh-huh. Uh, Virgo has a prodigious understanding of the practical and spiritual realms and how to bring light in any situation. Nightcrawler has known conflict and yet remain yet can remain the heart of the X-Men because he believes in the good in everyone's spirit. Okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. Why not? Uh, Libra. Your X-Men is Gambit. Oh. Libras know how to have a good time, plain and simple. They walk into any room with a swagger and a go-hard or go-home attitude because they play to win. Although although gregarious in the life of the party, Libras are romantics at heart and their affections are focused on a singular crush. Did uh, did Gambit really have a singular crush? Yeah. Rogue. Uh, Uh, Rogue. Rogue, yeah. This is true. And considering he, he may have been like hey hey to others rogue was the only one in his sights that's true yeah he was all about rogue scorpios that's you and me kk yeah um wow this could not be more appropriate what is emma it? frost oh shit eloquent assertive Dedicated. 
Most dismiss Emma Frost as cold-hearted due to her diamond-tough exterior. However, it's the furthest from the case. She is deeply feeling individual and protect her students and her teammates till her dying breath. That being said, she owns every room she walks into and, like a Scorpio, has unquestionable authority in any situation. With Emma practically being on nobody's side but her own, it makes her unpredictable, which makes her intimidating. She's also mysterious and strategic. You'll never know her next move. Uh, even yeah. though psychic, even though psychically, she will already know what yours is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a Scorpio in ideal conditions, for sure. Uh, Sagittarius, yay me. Uh, Jean Grey. Hmm. Huh. Uh, I will say huh? Jean Grey slash Phoenix, and yep. I can see it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, hard to tame, free spirited, spontaneous, spontaneous, and fiery, which they spelled incorrectly. Um, who else but Sagittarius could embody Jean Grey? Whether she's hurling through space as Phoenix or leading the X-Men on Krakoa, Jean represents mutant kind's limitless potential. Yeah. Yeah. That's my youngest too. Sure. Uh, Capricorn, you are Psylocke. I don't I do not see this. Okay. Uh I, They don't actually get into what their reasoning is for this. No. No. Uh, I, she rises to any occasion, fearless and victorious. That that is uh, of the paragraph that they have here. That that is the the closest that I can get to it. Ah. Uh. Um. Yeah, I, I personally, I don't see it. I, I don't see Capricorn That's a weird one. Psylocke. That is a weird one. Oh, here we go. Capricorns like Psylocke are brave souls who don't let something as trivial as a mind swap get them down. Psylocke is a skillful and strong fighter. I mean, like, that can be said of all the X-Men. Again, send your hate mail to the New York Post. Uh, Aquarius, Magneto, and Professor X. Okay. Uh, Okay. Um, Different ideologies, yet two sides of the same coin. These two warring besties both want the same thing for mutants to thrive. They are both ideological-based. Should be ideologically, but okay. Uh, and want to see the next generation thrive. Like Aquarius, both these mutants are community focused, communally focused, uh, who want a better tomorrow. Okay. My dad was an Aquarius and he was he was very Professor X. My mom was Aquarius as well. Uh Pisces, you are Storm. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's my oldest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Piscians are regal individuals who are kings and kings or queens of their domains. Uh, however, it never goes to their heads. Pisces, like Storm, remain the humblest people in the room. Pisces are very passionate and rely heavily on their emotions in their daily lives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they love fiercely. Uh, you, you can send your hate mail to uh, Kyle Thomas at the New York Post. Get it together, Sorry, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. We hold people accountable on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Spelling counts. Huh. Oh. So that's what I got. I had three things for fun this week. We. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you for picking up our Slack. Yeah. Well, it would seem we've gotten to that time. I don't think we had a big board going, but Will brought all yeah. the knowledge. So, Will, yep. you're the geekiest yep. this week. Yay! It's all you! So, do the things, Will. Do where, the things. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Geekiest Will. And you really should check it out for the pictures from last weekend uh, UltraCon that Will posted. Just do Yeah, something. they're cool. Check out the awesome cosplayers. Uh, also, I will uh, you can oh, I, you can also find me live and in person uh, on September 17th. I will be at PalmCon in West Palm Beach. Uh, so you can find me down there wandering around talking to people. Yay. Awesome. Uh, Kayla. Yo. Tell these folks where they can find you. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram at geekiest Kayla. Kayla. I can't even say my own name today. You can find me on Facebook at Jade NSF Wizards. You can find me playing Jade uh, on uh, this production house's Not Safe for Wizards D&D actual play. Um, you can find me in our awesome little thrift shop, which if you are in the South Florida area, um, we just had to be closed for a week. Uh, a week that would have been significant for us um, in the hopes of keeping small businesses open. If you would like to support us, please come down to the shop and say hi at 4148 Davy Road. Hopefully we will be reopening tomorrow as long as I uh, test negative. Um, if you cannot make it into the store, I am going to do my best to boost our online presence so that those that would like to help can. And you can check all of that stuff out at secondhandgoddess.net. And that's it. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Where can our lovely fans find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D-E-M-O-R-G-U-S. Uh, you can follow this podcast across all the social medias, as Will had said earlier, at the Geekiest Pod. Um, 
you can find me as the DM and producer of the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play Podcast. Um, this week, this Friday, uh, please check out the episode we're going to release. Um, some things are changing, so uh, please make sure you listen to that. Um, I'm also available to run D&D games for you. Well, any tabletop role-playing game for you. Uh, in person or in South Florida, depending where you are. Uh, if you find me at mindplaymondays.com. Um, and I just want to shout out uh, this weekend, uh, I got to be in a live stream with Morgan from Mindplay Mondays, DMing uh, a couple of the guys from Dungeons and Dummies, uh, Alex and Jeremy, who you heard on this show a couple weeks ago. Um, we had David from uh, the from afar podcast and jonesy from uh hard knock dice uh we managed to raise 666 dollars for the children's hospital of los angeles and uh because we hit one uh one milestone we will be doing a second part to finish up the adventure that has not been scheduled yet but it will be and uh, just pay attention to our socials. I will be posting stuff there. So, Ooh. hey, anybody can get this COVID. Kayla and I managed to. Uh, it sucks really bad. Um, so, do the things wash your hands, wear a mask, get boosted, get vaccinated, do the things because you do not want to be this sick. It really sucks, guys. Yeah. Um, as always, this podcast believes Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, love is love, their body, their choice. We thank you for listening this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. It's important. Bye. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.